and welcome to another episode of Keeping Up with Mrs. Kelly. I am not leading this today, and once again, for the third time, it makes me feel super uncomfortable and lacking control, which I don't like. But what I do like is sitting across from the wonderful Mr. Klatsko. Thank you. Welcome back. Thank you very much. It's it's a, it's a nice feeling. Yeah? It's a really nice feeling, yeah. I, I almost have to go out on a limb here and say it, it, this is maybe becoming a tradition. Yes. You know, because it's like... Every spring. Yeah, every spring. I when get I'm to, feeling my worst. I get to interview you <laughs> and ask you, how does it feel to feel your worst? <laughs> yeah, I remember when you suggested this to me. It was like a weekend. You messaged me and said like, oh, I would really love to interview you mm-hmm. and talk about, you know, the pandemic. And this was when it just started. And I'm like, oh, good Lord. Yeah. I do not want to talk about this because you remember how bad it was. It was very hard at the beginning. Um, and we talked about it when it was still quite fresh and painful. Absolutely. And that was kind of the evolution of our interviews because I was listening to them during the weekend again. Mm-hmm. And I was, and I, and I, and I remembered how, wow, the first one was kind of at the beginning of COVID when everyone started to panic because mm-hmm. no one knew what were the, what was going to be the magnitude. Yeah. And then the second interview was, a year or more so after, where everybody thought, okay, are we done? This is it. We're done. We're done, right? We're done. And then we're here. Mm. And and now kind of COVID doesn't seem as important. And hopefully it is declining. Mm. But, you know, there's so much other uh, atrocities going on in the world. Yeah. That kind of puts things into perspective. Yeah, exactly. And I think that when... The statement came out that COVID was was over and that we didn't have to worry about it. I just remember thinking I wasn't even excited because I had had so many times where I thought like now, now it's going to calm down. Now we've seen the end of it. You know, I never thought when we talked in, I guess it was April 2020, I never thought that it would have continued after the summer. I thought it was going to be an intense two months. We get through the school year. Everyone goes on holiday, like, it'll, you know, die out naturally, and we'll come back and think about how awful that spring was. Exactly. And then I remember coming back, and it was, it was pretty okay at the beginning. We still had restrictions, and there were still, I don't even think we had any cases then, and then it just exploded again. And after that, I was like, I'm never, I'm not relaxing ever again about this. Right. It will never go away. I will never be done with this. So I still haven't processed properly that it's, like, yeah, not and, a thing. And it might have become, or maybe this is the new norm. Mm-hmm. Maybe this is the common cold yeah. from now on. Um, but if we could just think about that, and, and then we can move on from the COVID thing, but everyone endured a lot. Uh, staff, parents, children, you know, students, and, and we had to adapt, and we had to confront our anxieties and all this thing now now looking back where is the mentality i would say of the staff that's kind of what i'm thinking about because a school is nothing without their students and if you don't have the staff that is capable of educating because they might not be in a good place then you don't have a school yeah right so i'm kind of concerned about like where do you think the staff's mentality is right now after all that, after all this, hmm. that's a really good question. I think that 
we have gone through so much that it's a bit like we're so much more resilient than I think we would have been if we hadn't gone through this and I really hate that this happened at the beginning of our school you know I felt like we never really got to coast I had always planned like second year once we get into that second year I'm going to take a step back we can coast a little bit it will be you know, not easy because working in a school is never easy, but we can relax. And then COVID hit everything. Like it's, it was so intense and there was no relaxing, no coasting. Um, so I didn't like that, but I do like that it happened so early in our existence that we could shape as a team around that crisis that we really all had to pull together. And I know some people just fell apart uh, for personal reasons and really couldn't see themselves like being here anymore but those of us who stayed and people who chose to come during the pandemic I remember re-interviewing people that I'd hired before it hit international staff being like are are you sure like are you sure you still want to come you've seen Sweden in the news have you processed that this is what you're getting into and them being 100% on board anyway and saying like yep We've, we've heard the news. We know what Sweden is doing. We're really excited to educate students with you. Like, yes, yes. So I think that it's just developed a sense of resilience that we would not have had otherwise. And I think that this school, it is very pretty and it seems really light you know what I mean? Like it's, we're in a really nice neighborhood. We have a really nice building. Um, our, on the surface, it seems like everything is quite easy. And I think if we hadn't had the pandemic, we might have relaxed a bit too much where we didn't know how to deal with the challenges that would inevitably come working with 630 kids. So I think we have this resilience where like when we've had other things happen and when other events are happening in the world, we're able to take them on. I just wish we would have had like a little bit of a breather between the pandemic and a war, yeah. but you know, yeah, I know. Can't can't plan yeah. all of those things. And you know, as an insider from my three years here, I I completely agree with everything you're saying, and I, I could I could feel that as well. And as a leader, you stepped up and. Like you're saying, some people uh, accepted the challenge, a few didn't, but, you know, as a as a unit, uh, everyone persevered. Mm. Speaking of coasting, <laughs> speaking of coasting, in August, you had decided we're going to add year three, mm. grade three. That yeah. is, was that two extra classes? Yes. So, are we talking like 60, 60. something? Beautiful little, little three children. Little ones. Little. Big difference between third grade and fourth grade, don't yeah. you think? Monumental. Yeah. Uh, curriculum, mm. m- uh, maturity. The way that they have indoor shoes. Mm. Mm. Development. Yeah. All that stuff. How How's that been? Again, I think with the resilience of, you know, we, you remember opening the school with 409 kids all at the same time from grade four to eight. After that, it's... It, How many do you have now, total? 630. Yeah. Um, so after after having that huge challenge that first year, I think that 
no, it wasn't necessarily easy to start year three, but it also wasn't earth shattering. I forget sometimes you had to remind me like, oh yeah, tell me how year three is going. Oh yeah, we did do that, didn't mm-hmm. we? Um, I think that since, yeah, we built up the resilience, but also since we have such a good team, I didn't really worry about it that much because you know how hard we worked on on our mentality and our vision here at the school. Like, how do we see kids? How do we see relationships? How do we see education? I just knew, like, okay, now we do that with kids who are a little bit smaller. And Free Teeds has been an interesting learning experience because we've had that as well. Exactly. So you have uh, grade three is in their own building, Mm -hmm. which is a good thing, I'm assuming, because it it keeps them separate from also Mm Herrick-Staudiot, which probably is intimidating for kids that age. And then you also, on top of that, you had to add Free Teeds Mm -hmm. to 5.30 in the afternoon? Yeah, they go... They go until about 5.30. They start coming before 7 in the morning. So, yeah, yeah, that was also staffing, logistics, all of that. Because that's an age where kids don't go home on their own. Now, some of them get, you know, they get picked up still by their parents. They're still small. Yeah. You're right that there's a really big difference between year 3 and year 4. How Um, did the uh, school adapt to the, like the academics of adding on a new curriculum because it's not part of it, no. it, it it's it's the last year of, of uh low mm-hmm. <clears throat> which also entails uh national tests yep. right yeah did you have to do those for the first year yeah we are uh, doing them right now with swedish yeah yeah i think that it again it just helped having the team all pulling together where it wasn't dropped on one person like here's your three fix it it's having the core year three teachers really working hard together, having Mr. Flusser from an academic perspective really help guide, like, how do you how do you teach? How do you set up these lessons? How do you do national tests in year three? Having Mr. Chell and Mr. Jung talk about, like, taking care of that age mm-hmm. and how do we work with our values in year three yeah. in that building. Yeah. And then we brought one of our uh, former Mellon Stadia teachers, Ms. Erdahl, to year three and she has been a phenomenal force in that area like taking our values because you remember that year five team last year was really good yes she went and like she lives and breathes is lena values mm. so then it was having her in there so it's just been a team effort i yeah. guess and that's not um that's not the norm either within is i mean mo what would we say 90 95 percent of is schools start at year four yeah. There's one when in the city that maybe has a starts at year one. The new yeah. ones are opening F. Oh, they are? Yeah. Okay. Um, but I remember when I was in Yen Shipping, we opened year four in 2010. So we started just six to nine, and then we went down four or five the next year. And even that was weird mm-hmm. then. People were like, oh, they're too small. They mm-hmm. can't handle the English. And now... I guess people have been looking into more research and realizing, like, the younger, the better. Yeah. Do you I, think their English is uh, adapt, you know, that they're learning English faster than the, the year fours? When the, uh, Not this mm. year fours, but when the year fours start. Yeah. Well, I don't know. It's a year difference. Maybe. It's a year different, but it's also just, it gets them into that mindset a little bit earlier and into our routines a little bit earlier, right. where there's not that big leap when they come into year mm-hmm. four of, well... There are so many things that are different. And you listened to the podcast where the two-year three girls were speaking to me. Yes. You commented on that, like, wow, yes. this is so cool. 
They did the whole thing in English. Exactly. That was in the fall, I think. Yeah. That amazing. Was pretty, pretty amazing. But when they go up to year four, that's three parallel mm-hmm. classes. So yeah. then you bring in uh, 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 32 new kids or, or yeah. something like that. And then they have to integrate with already the existing mm-hmm. 64 or like that. And you get some. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, they'll integrate, and I think that, you know, the kids who have been here for a year will really set the tone uh, with our culture, but also with the English in helping support. And I, I think that at first it will be difficult for those kids starting with us, but also, you know, they have a bunch of classmates around them that know how it is. Mm-hmm. It's like when we all started as new staff here, it was stressful because we were all in the same boat. Like, no one knows anything. We're all new. We're doing this all together. But every year when we, you know, we get new teachers or new staff in, they have all of these other people who are like, we've been here before. Like, we know, we understand how hard it is at the beginning. Here's how you're going to feel. Yeah. You're going to be excited here, and then you're going to be super stressed. Right. And I think that that normalizes these feelings that people get when they start something new and challenging. Yeah. And those kids, I mean, they've only spent two years, two or three years at a municipality school, mm-hmm. trying to, uh, trying to, trying to uh, pronounce that word correctly. Mm-hmm. You know, like in my case, growing up in Sweden as a kid, I always went to a, a regular kommunal school mm-hmm. until seventh grade. And that's when I went to a, sort of like this, it was a free school, it was, uh, uh, you know, English 50% of the time. And at the time, there were only two in the, in the entire Stockholm as a private school in the city mm-hmm. or whatever. But I re- remember it was a drastic change from uh, organization. And I mean, just as a you know, a kid in seventh grade, mm-hmm. I, I there was a difference. There yeah. was uh, teachers were more engaged. There were there was more discipline to the in terms of being able to actually have an environment in the classroom where you could learn mm. because um and i don't want to generalize but it felt like at um Kuminala schooler that the teachers were just robots mm. you know and there wasn't the passion and it wasn't what you you do find at ies schools mm. and you know lately in the news we've we've been reading articles about people that are against free schools and mm. people that felt like they haven't been treated fairly at free schools and this kind of stuff What's your take on it? It's hard for me because I've I've only known IES schools in Sweden. That's the only I've yeah. only worked for IES while I've been here, and I would not be here if it weren't for IES. So obviously, I enjoy it. I enjoy it so much. I moved back to Sweden, left all of my family aside from my kids and my husband, and came here again because I like what IES is doing, and I think as a human. You know, you can always, everyone experiences things differently, and maybe other people have had different experiences. But what I've seen in all three of the IS schools is people with, like you said, a passion that I've never seen before. I worked at a public school in the States, and it wasn't a fraction of the same passion as what we have here. Like, teachers who spend their breaks hanging out with the kids. Kids who are genuinely excited to see their teachers. You got approached in the hallway just walking a few meters, and there's a kid, Oh, Mr. Glasgow, you're back! Oh, it's so nice to see you! Kids don't have to do that. No. This is a hard-studied student. Right. 
exactly. will be graduating soon, doesn't have you as a teacher, doesn't need to suck up, there's no brownie points here, no. but this person was genuinely happy to see you yeah. and talk to you. Yeah. And, you know, over the course of the summer or, or you, you bump into former students on the train and, and, and in the city mm-hmm. and they're always, and I'm talking about IES students, they have this great energy, they're happy to see you, mm-hmm. I must have done something right, you know, and it's a great feeling. Mm-hmm. And you had that, you, you had this passion within the uh, staff, mm-hmm. the core, the yeah. core staff. I mean, how many students, or I should say, how many children are on queue to get into, uh, let's say, IS Lena? 8,000. 8,000. That's yeah. one. That's one IS. And across the entire IS? Yeah, I can't yeah, even remember yeah. the statistics, but so, it's, it's insane. There's I mean, so many kids. It shows that parents are making a conscious decision that, mm-hmm. hey, we want our kids to be in this school. Yeah. Yeah, and I also think, as I said, people... Did you say 8,000? Yeah. For Lena, yeah. that's the queue. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's a bit. It's a bit above. It's like eight thousand seven hundred, but yeah, something like that. But as I, as we were saying, like people, people are different. Like not everyone likes the same thing. So maybe IES isn't for like not everyone is going to experience the school in the same way. And I tell parents that really blatantly when they come in for a presentation. I'll say, this is this is who IES is, and this is who IES Lena is specifically. And these are the things that I am going to do. And you might not like that. You might not like that I don't let your child leave to go eat lunch somewhere else. Like, you might not like that. You might not like that I call you and tell you that your kid did something wrong today or that your kid did something right today. You might not like having weekly emails from me. You might not like my YouTube videos. Like, go somewhere else where the principal does not talk to your kid, does not make videos for you about what you should talk to your kid about. These are the things that I do and I am very aware that I am not for everyone. I presented to the year three parents that I've never I've never met them before. This is the first time I got to meet them last week. And I'm like, oh, hello. And then I said, I'm aware that I'm too much. Like, I'm just, I am a too much sort of person. And the one parent raised her hand. She said, I wouldn't say you're too much. I would say that you're engaged. And I'm like, thank you. That's, 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 that's a very perfect adjective. That's a very kind yeah. way of saying, like. Yeah. I mean, I've been to other schools where... The principals never leave their office. I've been to schools where principals do not know the majority of their students' names. Okay, sure. Everyone has their own approach to how they want to lead a school. But I feel that's unfortunate because a principal's position, it's not an office job. No. It's not. And visiting one of these schools, you know, I had a former colleague ask me if I wanted to jump in and teach a class. And I said, sure, why not? It's fun. And the kids were chewing gum, they had hats on, um, they had their headphones still hanging off their necks, and I felt like I hadn't taken a shower for a week, because I couldn't teach the class and not, and, and ignore that, mm-hmm. but I, you know, I was forced to, and I wasn't going to, I wasn't, I'm not there to cause any kind of mm-hmm. strife, but it was odd, because I could see that all these things were distractions in their education. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh my God, why doesn't every school not allow those things, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. 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 Uh, again, like it's, I don't know if there's a right or a wrong way, but for me, this is the only way that I know how to lead. And I've told people that like this, this is who I am and I'm not good at sitting in an office. 
I'm not worried about like sitting in front of my computer and, and coming up with all these procedures and things like that's, that's not what I'm good at. And also I would not enjoy it. Mm-hmm. So I actually think about the principals who do sit in their office all day. And you said like, you think it's a disservice to the school. I think it's a disservice to them. Like you're missing out. The best parts of my day are when I am having random conversations with kids, playing with them outside at this parent meeting that I was at uh, last week, we were talking to them about questions they should ask their kid at home. And one of them was wow, like, that's a good topic. What was the best part of your day today? Yeah. So at the end of the presentation, I said, does anyone have any questions? And one of the dads raised his hand. He said, what was the best part of your day? <laughs> and funny. I was like, cheeky, but I will take the time to answer it because, yeah. and I talked about how the best part of my day that day was no he was asking what did you learn today oh, what okay. did you learn okay. today and i said actually i learned something today i learned that year eight boys will do anything for you if they can get out of lessons for 15 minutes yeah. i talked about how i made smoothies with mm-hmm. two year eight boys mm-hmm. if i said your names you'd be like not surprised mm-hmm. uh, we made smoothies together and it was so much fun and i just realized like this is such a quick and easy way to, like, brighten my day. Also, how many times are you going to make a smoothie with your principal? Like, yeah. it's not yeah. a normal thing. They're going to remember this. Never, ever, ever, never. <laughs> and, you know, it was just one of those things that was like, this is why I do this job. So I can hang out, have these conversations with the boys as we're making the smoothies. Just build these relationships that you don't build yeah. if you're in your office and only meeting people when they're about to be suspended. Right. Because I know there are some principles where, like, it doesn't get to me unless it's way up here. Mm -hmm. Like, Mm -hmm. I do not deal with, I will not talk to kids about small things. If it Only if it escalates to something really big Mm -hmm. will I get involved. I'm like, well, that's boring. It is boring. And really demoralizing. If you're only working with the really tough cases and the kids that have gone through every step of the consequence ladder, it's like, Oh, here we are. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And it's a, I mean, it's a school, isn't mm-hmm. it? This is what it's all about. It's, it's about providing a safe environment, providing the education that they need. But it's not just about academics. It's mm-hmm. about those, you know, uh, learning how to build relationships, how to communicate, how to avoid obstacles or, or no, not avoid obstacles, but avoid confrontations mm-hmm. and learn how to go, you know, learn all that kind of stuff. All the social the skills that social you skills. can't can't teach otherwise there was i remember teaching eye contact one time to year seven like we talked about the importance of eye contact and then there was one kid in that class that every time he would come through the door in the morning and say hi to me like really make a conscious effort of good morning mrs kelly and there was one morning where i was super tired i was crabby i really did not want to talk to anybody and I didn't really look at him, and he called me out on it. He was like, "Good, <laughs> Kelly, eye contact." Yeah. And I'm like, "Yeah, yeah." I, w- I was on a uh, business trip in Spain. I had dinner with some clients, and I learned very quickly that not looking at someone in the eye when you chair mm-hmm. at, 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 at the dinner is just rude, mm-hmm. you know. And I think that's that should be in that should be part of all cultures. Mm-hmm. I love eye contact; yeah. it's important. Mm-hmm. So, have your expectations been met? I mean, four years later, right? How does it feel? 
Wow. It's gone by quickly. I know, it? it's gone by so quickly. Feels like it was, yeah, not that long ago that what, we were welcoming yeah. them in. I guess the question is, what were your expectations and, and have they been met? My expectations were don't die. <laughs> so, yes. No, but seriously, I don't know. It was one of those things that, like, you don't really know what to expect. It's like having a kid. You don't know what to expect. And then all of a sudden, your kid is... Kid just turns nine. You're like, whoa! Like, we made it <laughs> to nine! And you're, yeah. like, a great human. Cool. Yeah. So kind of like that. Like, wow, we've made it four years, and I really like being here. And by the way, did I don't know if you've seen this, but there's a McDonald's commercial. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm not shouting out to McDonald's. No, no free ads there. <laughs> That one of our former students that graduated last year is in this commercial. What? Yeah. I'll tell you later who it is. Oh, my. Mm-hmm. Wow. Pretty cool. He's got like a two-second part. He's hanging against the wall in a subway station. Is he wearing a hat? He's very colorful. Is he chewing gum, wearing a hat, that, talking I, on no, a phone? No, no, Okay, no, good. No, no, that's good. Ah, yes, values all the way. Yeah, exactly. Cool. So, are you ready for the rapid five? Absolutely not, but yep, this let's go. This is how we always have let's to end it, it, right? I know. Okay. We're going to start off easy. Yeah. Favorite song of 2022? Like don't, something that's been released this year? Yeah, don't say Avicii. Because we yeah, all know. Yeah, I know. You really messed with me there. That was, that was, that was unfair. Uh, well, uh, the last song that you, like, shazammed or, or that you had to listen to on your, when you're running or something. Um, it's, it's Lost Frequencies, Where Are You Now? And That's a good I, song. I love it because Nolan and I, when we're like, like he's scootering and I'm running, we'll just play it on repeat and he knows it too. So we'll sing it. And then when it comes, where are you now? We both look at each other, where are you now? And we're like going on the road, you know, like next to the road. And I swear, like, I'm sure people are like, what is, what is going on? But like, oh, I just love that I can. Sing really loudly in public because I have an excuse. I have a five-year-old with me, and we just jam out to that song. So you, that you've song. got a workout partner. Exactly. It's two amazing. two it's workout it's partners. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. My daughter has now started a judo, Ooh. so she goes every week, and it's I, I just love it. You know, I I I'm, I'm, I tried not to force it. Yeah. You know, but I was like, listen, uh, in the beginning, like after the first month, she was thinking about quitting, and she asks me. If I quit, will you be sad? Mm-hmm. And I said, okay, regardless if you quit or if you continue, I'm just as happy. This is your choice. Aww. And I said, you know, give some time, think about it. And so the next day she said, I'm going to continue. And now she's rolling. Good job, Elise. Yeah, real good job. Okay, you ready? Mm-hmm. This one's kind of funny. My kind of humor. Do you first check with your husband that he also likes a furniture item before you buy it? I let my husband buy all the furniture for our apartment without checking with him. Okay. All right. So there's no kind of like, you guys have the same taste then. Yeah. And I trust that he, he knows what I like. Like yeah. he knows that if he bought something like really colorful, yeah. I'd be like, what is this? <laughs> like get it you, out of my. Cause you do the, you do the Swedish all black. Yes. Yeah. I was, I was making the all black trend before yeah. it was a trend. No, we've been together for so long that. He knows what I would like and not like, and yeah, like I, I trust that he's gonna. I send photos of like ten different sofas until I get an approval, and then I can. No, I, <laughs> no, I was just like, <laughs> I don't have time to think about this. I'm taking care of the kids. You find some furniture, make it look nice. Oh, awesome, done. 
Okay, number three. Do you expect leadership to agree or disagree with the decisions that you make? Can, we that, be, all... can that be a short answer? Okay. We, we all kind of come to consensus because we always ask ourselves, like, does this align with our values? So at the end of the day, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they're wrong. Like, you know, it's just about the values. So it's not about, like, who is pushing the decision. It's does this decision align with our values and how we work here. Okay. Uh, give me one word that describes you. Engaged. Give me one word that others use to describe you. Appropriate word. Just kidding. Yeah. We can't have dead air on a podcast. Enthusiastic. Okay. Awesome. I guess. Uh, that was great. I'm really happy to have good. had you. Now Now we've set this for every spring. Uh, why not? When I'm at my most tired and my least energetic, that's when you come yeah. and ask me all the tough questions yeah. about how are you dealing with all the difficult things in your life. Exactly. I can't wait to talk about that again next year.